0: Sixers, you're mostly with us in the room today i think right so um if it's warm in here anyone you're all deputized the the windows in the entrance they fling open and are oh you want to get that okay so how you doing you okay we doing all right okay uh all right what a bunch It's good sorry i'm scanning the room amy said she was going to be in here today i don't see her so i guess uh she's in the baby room okay good then I can share this story (laughs) she can still hear me then I can't (laughs) what welcome to water city if you're new Amy's my wife and I'm just teasing so um Let's see. Good morning. We're in the book of Luke. If you've got your Bible, if you need a Bible, there's some on the back of the room in the cart there. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11, um, week three, going through this series that we've called just the way of Jesus. There's four areas that we're looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, over, over these couple weeks. And so by beginning here, we're looking at the way of Jesus through the lens of prayer. Next week, we're going to look at Scripture for a couple of weeks. Then uh, we're going to talk about serving, and then we're going to talk about community uh, uh, life together. And so um, in 1995, the New England Journal of Medicine reported a story that <clears throat> I'm guessing none of us can relate to, and yet I think kind of applies to all of us. So here's your visual aid. So a plastic surgeon was uh, repairing an examining room lamp, okay, and was accidentally electrocuted, shocked. And so soon after, though, he felt he lived, okay, stay with me. So soon after, felt dizzy, and his heart was pounding, and he, he dragged himself into the operating room, um, and he actually hooked himself up to his own heart monitor. And it said that his heart was racing at 160 beats a minute which is great if you're at a rave. That's a pretty good dance beat, right? But that is, that is not a good heart rate. And so, um, so like you do if you're a doctor, you self-diagnose and, and he was suffering from atrial fibrillation, fibrillation, which maybe you know, maybe you don't, can actually can be fatal. So he looked around the room and he saw, he saw a defib, <laughs> he saw an AED, defib, <laughs> right? So he saw this device that shocks you, you know, you've seen it on MASH or ER or Grey's Anatomy, whatever, um, and it's meant to restore the regular rhythm of your heart. Um, the only thing, though, is it's not intended for self-use, right? Right? <clears throat> Even the ones at the Y, right? You are learn your AEDs, they're not for self-use. And so anyway, it didn't matter though. So this 40-year-old doctor, he grabbed the petroleum jelly, smeared it on his chest, and then he grabbed the two paddles, put them on his, himself. And then he self-administered two shocks of 100 joules each, which is a lot. So of course, it knocked him completely off of the operating table and this, I know, sounds like the beginning of, like, the next Marvel superhero story, right? <laughs> I already told you he lived. So then it's like, well, what superpower did he get, right? And he was electromagnetic man. And so, so he lived. Um, but he got knocked off the table. And getting knocked off the table, though, his, his heartbeat restored to a regular rhythm. And there's some who hear this story, and they're like, what a hero, what a brave guy, what a great thing to do. Anyone in camp, like, that's a, that's a, anyone thinking that? Like, wow, what quick thinking, how to do that, a lot of shaking heads, and then a lot of, like, I don't know what you want me to say, Jay, I'm not going to commit. <laughs> so, then the the case reporter in the journal went on to say that this doctor actually would have been better off calling 911 for an ambulance, And the question was posed, what if he had passed out? He could have actually put himself into a more dangerous rhythm, the author points out. So, yeah, but he didn't, right? And this is such a cool story. Now, I know a couple of you are thinking that, even though you know I'm about to say that's not what we should be thinking. See, Some of us think, what a great thing to do. Like, you don't know how long the ambulance is going to take and whatever. Just take the matters into your own hands. Really, at the end of the day, this is an I got this. I got this. And if you know anything or if, well, I got this are some pretty famous last words and actually usually the start to some great YouTube clips, right? That end in other people getting hurt. So that's the thing this morning. Every one of us is good at kind of a lot of things. You are good at a variety of things. You're good at maybe public speaking, or you're good at navigating through the in the kitchen. You're maybe good at diagnosing the problem with a car. Maybe you're good at reading a room. Maybe you're good at um, hitting a baseball really far. We all have those things in our lives that we're good at. Which isn't bad. The problem, though, with being good at things is it, it, it kind of tricks us into thinking that we're, we're good at everything. Or we're capable with everything. Or that we find ourselves in situations, instead of going, I should call somebody. We go, oh, yeah, defibrillator, I got that. Psh, boom. And so the reality this morning is this. The, one of the underlying realities of life is that we don't have this. Now, I'm not trying to single anyone out. If you've got a bumper sticker or if you've got a coffee mug that says you've got this or something like that, that is the overarching message of our culture. You've got this. You're good. You can do this. You are enough. In fact, just this week, heard multiple people saying, you're enough. You got this. You can do it. The reality, though, is you aren't enough and you don't have this. You're good at some things. Some of you, you're good at a lot of things. You could transpose sheet music by just looking at it because you know what it should be in a different key. That's a great thing. You're good at things but you don't have this and in fact this morning as we're looking at prayer that's the thing that we need to keep in mind and in fact as we're looking at the way of jesus and following him we don't have this and we're not supposed to the wonderful hope extended to us and when you go all in on a life of following jesus See, the way of a life of Jesus is a life of fullness, open to each of us, because we don't have this. Life with others is a life where you're not alone. It isn't all up to you. A life in Scripture is a life resting in the truth that you don't have to come up with ultimate truth on your own. A life in scripture is a life resting that you don't have to manufacture for yourself meaning or purpose or truth. Do you know how exhausting it would be to sit down and come up with a cohesive idea of what happens after your last breath? I mean, we've seen it happen. If you've come across anyone who's into Scientology or L. Ron Hubbard, if you're...
1: No, we'll keep that one inside. But see, you don't have to. I'm not responsible to create meaning or
0: purpose or truth or boundaries. I cannot craft an acceptable narrative of what happens beyond this life. God, through scriptures, revealed this. He hasn't revealed all of it. But he's revealed enough. Heaven, hell, peace, torment, presence, aloneness, Now, maybe all of the details aren't in there. I don't care how much you're into end times. All the details aren't in there. And actually, if we're really honest, for some of us, that is so lovely. Now, I know some of you in the room are the details, the planners. You got to do the blueprints and the spreadsheets and the whole of all of the details. Others myself in this camp, it's more just, well, let's get going and see what happens. And see, there's a little bit, and we're going to maybe look at this when we get to Scripture, but just to hold this idea for a
1: second, that God has not revealed all of the end of the age.
0: The reason that's good news is I don't want to get to life beyond this life in that Work through my mental checklist. Oh, now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. Just like I know it has to happen. One of, I don't know if this is a good or bad, but this is just my personality. A couple of years back, I got to go on a study trip to Israel. My kids hate hearing about it because I talk about it all the time. You actually probably are getting sick of hearing about it as well. But hang in there for a minute. So day after day, like, landed uh oh where are we going today well we're actually going to mount carmel and oh, okay i know that story it's where the prophet had the showdown and fire from heaven and we got there and it was awesome where are we going the next day and i just kept asking my buddy who was in charge of the trip and i'm like where are we going today he's like jay you have a schedule you have a schedule (laughs) and i'm like i know where are we going and he'd be like, we're going to multiple places. Today we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee. We're actually going to be at our hotel right outside of Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was probably from. Then we're going to go up to Capernaum, and then we're going to come around. We'll be up on the Golan Heights. We're going to go to Dan. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. We get on the bus, I'd be like, where are we going? <laughs> and it's just, it's probably, it's, it's probably an unhealthy character trait I have. But I just want it just awesome. Because see, while we were there, rockets were coming out of Gaza when we were down near Beersheba. And the day that we were supposed to go to Beersheba, which is uh, linked in with the story of Abraham and as well, and it's, it's, we couldn't go where we were going to go because there were rockets. And you know what? If we didn't, we did end up going there a couple days later, but it didn't wreck me. Why? Well, first off, we were in Israel and it was lovely. <laughs> But it was because I didn't have this checklist of things that I had to have happen if this was going to be a success. And see, there's something about resting, knowing that I don't have to have this checklist to know what's going to happen and how and in what order, in what seat of judgment I'm going to sit in in front of before what part of the meal, and all of that kind of stuff. God has revealed enough to us in this that we can know him and be saved by him and put our hope in him. And beyond that, there is a bit of where are we going today? And so we don't have this no matter how much uh, it's communicated that you can figure this out and you can lock in the theology or the doctrine or the whatever. That isn't the way this is supposed to work. And see, the beauty of uh, rhythm of that when it comes to the gigantic things of life and faith is my trust is not in me being able to figure out what it looks like on the end of the age. Do we get to fish? Do we not fish? Do we work? Do we not work? Is there art? Is there not art? Is there, what does a city actually look like? Is it a city from Jesus' time or is it a city from our time? Does Jesus use an iPhone or does he just do scrolls? How's that work? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Because the point of this is that we trust the one who knows. And see, that's the thing, modern Western follower of Christ, we all struggle with. Can I release control to the one who is actually in control? And so the way of Jesus that we are invited to live, when the way of Scripture is, is that we get into this in a place, not that we figure this out airtight so that I have complete, but that I trust, and that I trust that he's revealed enough in this that my
1: following of him, that he's got it. And we're going to look at how the way of Jesus is a
0: way of serving others. We live in a culture that says, it's it's all about me. Self-fulfillment, self-enlightenment, self-first. The way of Jesus confronts the lie of our age that you will reach self-actualization, realizing your fullest potential on that hierarchy of needs, right? I forget who came up with it. Somebody smart? You guys are still on it. I'm just going to half-give points from now on. I just half say the thing and you can fill it in. You know, like you got to like have fire, shelter, and then you get up to the top the mid self-actualization. And so the message of our time, our culture is the best thing you can do, the deepest need you have is self-fulfillment. Self meaning, self purpose. The way of Christ says actually, you know what? The highest thing you can do is in finding who you are in Jesus
1: then saying, it's not about me, which is total contrary to our culture, which says it is about you.
0: I mean, it is about you. But this morning, if we sang a song you didn't quite like, deal with it. It's not about you. If it's a little to this or a little to that. This isn't a, like, what temperature would you like your coffee at kind of a church. This is a welcome to the party. We're super glad you're here. And at the end of the day, it's not all the way about you. Because, listen, it's not about me either. And if anything, the way of Jesus shows us that God himself emptied himself to come among us and take on, you think it was awesome for God to be like, okay, I'm God, but now I'm going to limit myself into this skin, this bones, this time, this place. And yet in doing that, he reveals to us what it looks like to live a life following him. So self-actualization is not actually the highest need or the best thing you can do with your life. No greater love has someone than this, that they would lay down their life for another. And that's not just about Jesus, and it's not just a scripture for Memorial Day. That is what you, follower of Christ, are called to do. And you want to know what? That's a bummer. Because you want to know what it looks like to actually lay down your life for another? It stinks. Big time. Because in serving others, we don't always get the gratitude from them. They don't even recognize all the time that we're serving them. We don't always get the props for it or the feels for it or the whatever, but welcome to the way of Jesus. And it is for your good and their good, and it's for the glory of the Father. And so in you living that out, even when it feels like, oh my word, I can't believe I'm
1: going to do this. Or that I have to do this again. It's the way of Christ. All right. That's the whole series. And we're done. But that's no fair. So let's go. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. So the way of Jesus is a life of prayer.
0: Um, If you need a Bible, they're in the back of the room. Let's dig in. If you need need a Bible, please take one of those with you. We'd love to have you have that. Norm's grabbing Bibles. If you need one, raise your hand. He'll throw it at you. So, nobody. All right. Okay. Oh, Norm's actually not grabbing Bibles. Sorry, Norm. That was awkward. Okay. Luke eleven, verse one. Here we go. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is Often called the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, sometimes called the Our Father. That's um, found here. It's also found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it's a little bit longer in in that context. See, we can't miss coming into this that Jesus uh, is coming out of a time of prayer. Jesus, the only person who was in perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, because He was, He is God the Son.
1: Jesus, like, kind of shouldn't have to pray. Right? I mean, he's God. And yet,
0: again and again and again in the Gospels, we see that Jesus is either going into a time of prayer, coming out of a time of prayer, teaching his disciples to pray, inviting them in to pray. And it's not just like a single prayer, like God heal them or whatever, but it's time away spent with God to talk with God, to listen with God. The way of Jesus is a life marked by the rhythm of prayer. Paul picks up on this a, a, a few decades later, writing to the churches, writing to us, says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some translations say pray without ceasing. Maybe that's how you memorize this verse. As a little kid, I can remember that being a very confusing idea because it felt like church services went a long time anyway and then pray without ceasing, right? And then they talked about it in a way that held it up as a like, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. But so here's the other thing. If you've ever sat in a place and you didn't know what God's will was, like if you've ever been in process on this and like, I wonder what God's will is. You need to invite Rachel for a cup of coffee because you have a killer teaching on God's
1: will. And Chi Alpha students, I've heard it. And it is bang up. What does it look like
0: to hear God's voice? What does it look like to follow his voice? What does it look like? How do I come to him with the questions that I have? It's awesome. It's awesome. So, grownups, we can't sneak into Kai Alpha, but invite Rachel for a cup of coffee if you're in a space and you want to process that. But if you're not a coffee person or you don't have time this week and you want to know what God's will is for your life, Scripture tells us what God's will is for your life. It's right there. Now, this isn't the only thing, but see, sometimes we get so stuck in, God, should I go to UWO or should I go to the tech? Or God, should I live on the north side or should I live in some other horrible place in the city? (laughs) North side. Or God, should I have that job or this job? Or God, all of the things that we ask when we ask and we want to know God's will, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't ask those things. We should ask those things. We should come to him. We're going to see that in a second. But when the Bible gives us a very clear, this is what God's will is, then that's where we should start. See, I want God to tell me what college to go to. But what God wants more for me is relationship. And so wherever I find myself, rejoice. That doesn't mean be happy. Rejoicing and happiness are not always the same. You can rejoice on your way into that doctor's appointment. You can rejoice after getting that notice at work. God invites us to rejoice always. That doesn't mean fake it until you feel it. It means, God, wherever I am, regardless of what I'm going through, there is space
1: for rejoicing. God, there is space for joy. And so rejoice
0: always and pray continually. What does that mean? Who who's anything anyone done any kind of martial arts at all? Anyone? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to do forms. I just want to know, did you go to one thing, or did you watch it on TV? You're not going to... Come with me. Help me. I don't know anything about this, because I didn't do it. What? We've all seen Karate Kid. Okay, we can reference. The original, the, the new original is kind of not bad, too, huh? Jackie Chan? I mean, he's no pet. Okay, anyway why'd you do that? (laughs) So if you've done any kind of martial arts, you know that one of the first things, or if you've been in the military, or if you've been, um, uh, I don't know if if scouts do this, the, the one I was in did this, Royal Rangers. The first thing we learned was ready, or a ready stance. And see, one of the things about that that I've seen is that it, the ready stance is is whatever's coming my way I I can absorb it deflect it move it on right there's a ready stance in in um in uh, improv comedy whatever comes my way I'm gonna get it see it hear it absorb it deflect it move it on to someone else and see to. Pr- To pray continually is the ready stance of life. It's not everywhere I go, I'm mumbling prayers to God. But it's everywhere I find myself, God, I'm tuning my heart into you that if there's something in this space, okay, I'm going to talk to you about it. I'm going to listen to you on what's going on. We're going to whatever. And so some of us, we've heard this, pray continually, pray without ceasing, all of that kind of thing. And it sounds just too spiritual, just too professional, just
1: too missionaries, not me. And so we actually reject it. And maybe
0: not a flat-out rejection, but a rejection by not doing it. And see, when we neglect to do what Scripture tells us to do, in fact, tells us it's God's will for us to do, there are consequences. And so God's will for you is that you are in this ready position of prayer. So here's the, here's the million-dollar
1: question then. What is prayer? You're having a cup of coffee with a friend who's new to all of this. And they ask you, Okay, you're talking about prayer. What is prayer? I have a slide, but I want to hear from you. What's prayer? How do you answer that for someone who What is prayer? Hmm, channeling God's guidance. Conversation. Connection with God. Part of a relationship. Worship. Worship. Recognizing God in whatever situation. Recognizing that you don't have it all. You need help. Anything else? It's a Christian's responsibility. Prayer is a lot of things. This morning isn't a
0: practicum on how to pray. This isn't a lab. We're not going to end with twenty minutes of prayer at the end of this. Prayer is a lot of things. Praying continually means living a life in constant ready stance to connect with God. Oh, wait, oh I did have a slide. Okay. So what's prayer? It's communicating with God. It's talking, it's listening, it's being aware of presence, it's words, it's verbal, it's nonverbal.
1: How much of communication is nonverbal? A lot. How much do we actually live in that reality? Not much, because we fill
0: everything with words. And yet, it's a crazy amount, it's well over 60%. Some say it's over 70% of communication
1: is nonverbal. What does that mean? Well, actually, that should be a pretty cool thing because I
0: don't know about you, but I don't every morning hear God audibly. And so if... A lot of our communication, me knowing you, you knowing me, dialogue and getting that, is nonverbal communication, then that should be encouraging to us that God has wired us in such a way that we are able to hear and respond, to communicate and be communicated to nonverbally. It's beautiful. Does God speak audibly? Yes.
1: Does He speak audibly to everyone who says He's spoken to them? No. Prayer is communicating with God
0: at its most base level. So what does that mean? It means sitting quiet, talking to God. One uh, example I always give to somebody new to this is, is sit in a quiet place with a chair across from you. Imagine God and what things would he say to you. I don't know what he would say to me, Jay. I'm new to this stuff. Okay, then the way of Jesus is shaped by Scripture. And we're going to end with this, and hopefully we have enough time. But if we don't, then I want to just push this to Thursday in a conversation. If you don't have the words to pray, one of the reasons we don't pray is because we're saying the same thing in the same space,
1: in the same order, And if you find yourself saying the same thing in the same
0: space, in the same order, pray scripture.
1: Open to the book of Psalms. Read and listen and pray.
0: And we're going to look at that a little bit more, but if we go along there, there's that. And we can really dig in on that on Thursday over coffee if you want. See... The disciples didn't ask Jesus, hey, what is prayer? Because everyone in that culture knew what prayer was. There wasn't this divide between normal life and religious life or or regular life and spiritual life. Prayer was a regular piece of daily life. It was a regular component of weekly life. It was a regular component of the yearly life. They prayed. And that is for us to another example. Just to make this practical, prayer isn't just a morning thing or a night thing. Prayer isn't just a retreat you go on. There is a rhythm of prayer. There, in the ancient culture, there were times of prayer during the day. One writer points out that if you were to live in a monastery, uh, there's a bell at different points during the day, some of them on the hour. And one lovely little nun said that we don't pray because we feel like praying, we pray because of the bell. And see, there are some times in our life, and there's this part of me that's like, I can't believe you'd pray because of the bell. I'm so much better with God by not praying at all. That's our response. So one author, talks about setting a ding on your phone. Setting a ding. And if you have meetings that start every time on the hour, set the ding three minutes before the hour. Or set the ding at 11.57, just a, once a day. Because, you know, you're going to pray in the morning because you're rolling through your day. And you're going to pray at night because you've got a lot to ask God to forgive you about. But in the middle of the day,
1: that ding... And you pray because of the belt? Well, gee, I don't know if God likes that.
0: I don't ever not like when Amy shoots me a message because I've shot her a message. Oh, my word, you're just texting me because I texted you. It's not how it works. And so there's a bit of this that is a habit and a rhythm and a whatever. And so there's a daily rhythm. There's a weekly rhythm. This is actually part of the weekly rhythm. And there's a year, yearly rhythm. There's a rhythm of, of uh, the lead up to Easter and the reflection on the cross. There's a, there's a rhythm of the year of the lead up to
1: Christmas. But So nobody, the disciples didn't say, hey, how do we, or they didn't say, hey, could you define for us prayer? See, we've
0: got questions, too. Ours kind of go, how do you pray? Which is really this. Hear this. How do I pray so that God hears and responds to my prayer? Because if it's just me talking, I've got better things to do with my time. Right? Let's just be real. Some of you crush it on prayer. It is a habit that you've developed or a thing that's been modeled to you, or it's, but even those that I know who are, have the gift of intercession, which is an actual spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit, still struggle. And I've heard it said, I'm just, it's not as easy as you think it is for me, Jay, to pray. And so don't any one of us look around the room and go,
1: well, it's better for Sister So and so to pray or or that dude because it's his job. And one of the underlying things to this, and I don't know if it's just a straw man or
0: if you fit in this camp as well, but I want to know how to pray because I want to know that God hears me praying. And I want to know that he hears me praying because I've prayed for things and not had it play out. Any of you, you've prayed for something and it didn't didn't play out? Let's be real. It's just you, Pastor, actually. We wanted to talk to you about that. The point of prayer isn't to get God to do what we want him to do. Pipeliners, your letters from a skeptic, Greg Boyd, gets into this. Why pray if God already knows everything?
1: Praying isn't getting God to do what I want him to do. Well, then why pray? What's the point? Some of you said it. We pray to grow and deepen in
0: relationship. But here's the real thing, and we're going to unpack this, and don't worry, we're not going to go long. We pray because we have need. We pray because we have need. In that clip, sorry, it was a not crystal, on, but Leonard
1: Ravenhill, what a great name, Ravenhill. I think he's... He said, God does not hear prayer. God hears desperate prayer.
0: And I don't know. I mean, it's Ravenhill, not the Bible. So do with that what you want. But there is something in this, and this makes sense because of where this story goes from what Jesus ends with in the, our Father. So let's keep going. Luke chapter 11 verse 5. In this idea, God hears desperate prayer. Beginning in verse 5, then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine, or a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, he will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, even or know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask
1: him? All right. My whole life I've avoided this parable.
0: My whole life I've avoided this parable. And the reason for this is this parable does not fit with my picture of God. Any other parable Jesus gives, parable, church word that means a story that points us to a deeper truth. So this story that Jesus is telling, he just tells us how to pray, and now he tells us why to pray. And see, what usually happens is we read the prayer and then we begin unpacking it. God is our Father. God is holy. God's will, not your will. All of that stuff. And we work through the things that we should pray. But when we miss the context that Jesus is talking about for prayer, we come into this with our hands tied. Here's why I've always avoided this text. I've avoided this text Because in every other parable where there is someone with authority, the ability to give or to answer the need that is there, that is the picture of God the Father. The good king, the good judge, the good father, it's a story to tell us who God is. Now here, the dude who has the ability to meet the need is a dude who's sleeping and lazy and doesn't want to get up. It's a dude who doesn't come to the door until you've beat the door down.
1: What the stink. Can you turn my gain down just a little bit? So what does this have to do with God?
0: Why does Jesus follow that teaching of prayer with this story? We went through a season in our house where we would have somebody knock on our door at about 10 o'clock at night. It happened in the first two months of living at our new house when we moved. And then it happened about every six months. And then it started happening a lot sooner to where it was actually happening about every week for a little bit. It was, hey, I just need a couple bucks. Could you help me with a couple bucks? I need a couple things. And that first time, I was like, okay, fine. Yeah, cool. God's got us here, and we're going to help meet your needs. And then it started to get closer and closer and sooner and sooner. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with this. We're talking to you guys. What do I do with this? You don't give her that. You're not helping her. Okay, thank you. Maybe you've had someone knock at your door late at night. Maybe you've never had that. The weird thing about this story is this is a legit need. In a culture of hospitality in the ancient world, when someone, when you visited someone, they extended you hospitality. And if they didn't extend you hospitality, it was actually an attack on your humanity. And so, to let somebody know they had value, you extended hospitality to them. But see here, this guy can't extend hospitality. Someone shows up, doesn't have any bread. You can't go to Quick Trip. You got to make the bread, knead the bread, let it rise, fire up the oven, let the coals get just right, make some bread. And so in order to do that, you you go to a neighbor who's got something. You have a need. This isn't a story about the person who needs hospitality. See, as you're thinking about prayer, don't think about this through the lens of, you know somebody who needs something, I'm going to pray a lot about it. That isn't what this story is. This story is Jesus saying the context that you pray the Our Father in is you are in complete need. In every element of the Our Father is God going to God with the need. God, I am not God. You are God. You are not just a distant God. You are my Father. And I have an earthly father who did his best or didn't do his best. It doesn't matter, but you are my heavenly father, and you are so much higher than any of that. Dad's in the room. This is a snapshot moment of a gut check. Am I fathering the way the father fathers? And so I have need because even though I'm like a killer dad, I blow it so much,
1: so much. And so, God, my father, show me how to father. How did you, Father?
0: How did you risk? How did you show love? How did you send your son? Okay, God, grow that in me because I can't do it myself. This is Jesus telling a story that says, we don't come in any other way but in desperate need.
1: And see, when we come to the Father with our, I got this, I don't know. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that God doesn't hear your prayer. But I don't know that I'm really praying it when I'm praying from the position of I've got this. of
0: I'm going to pray this, but I'm actually going to work my plan. It's a whole other animal when you don't have this and you know you don't have this and you're praying. You've been there. The reality is, is that all of our prayer is from that place. There is no one righteous, no, not one, Scripture says. And this isn't a like, you're the worst in the world. It's like, welcome to humanity. We're all broken. We're all bent. None of us can do this. You don't have this. Good news Jesus says this is actually the posture we're supposed to come to God with. And so as I'm looking at this, see, prayer is the most other of all the ways of Jesus. It's the most dangerous and it's the most mysterious. It's the most dangerous because in coming to him and recognizing my
1: own need and laying that before him, I'm being honest with I don't have this. I don't have it. I don't have it. But see, we also come with the needs. And so my
0: deepest need is that I do not have this. But the shameless audacity of this is that God invites us to come to him with that. And so we come and we come and we come and we come. This isn't the picture of how do I I pick the lock of heaven to get what I want. That's not this parable. That's not the message of this. The message of this church is that thing you're praying about, that you're praying about, that you're praying about, that you're praying about. Do it and keep doing it.
1: The kids that you're praying for, that you're praying for, that you're praying for, that you're praying for, keep doing it.
0: The shameless audacity is that we continue to do this. We continue to pray this. This isn't a formula, This isn't a formula. Even though Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and it'll be opened, it'll be given, you'll receive. That isn't a, so do this, and then do this, and do this, and then you get it. It's a continue to do this thing that he invites us in to do. And so we pray for our family, and we pray for our jobs, and we pray for the things that we are being led to pray for. And through the lens of I have deep need, then we read this. Then we pray this. You are my father.
1: There's not a one of us in this room that hasn't been let down by our dad. Every single one of us have been let down by our dad. God is not your earthly father. And when you pray to him, let who he
0: is shape what that means to be a father. God, you are absolutely holy. You are unlike anything else. You are completely other. God, you took on flesh and blood just like me, but
1: you are not limited in the ways that I'm limited. Holy is your name. and God, you have a kingdom, man, let it rush in.
0: Because, God, I think I know what a kingdom looks like, or I'm going to vote in a certain kingdom, or I'm going to latch onto this idea of a certain kingdom. This prayer of need should completely mess up the, any idea that we can somehow fix this world through any of this world's systems.
1: God, your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Jay, that's Matthew, not Luke. Listen, some of us are very aware of our need today. It's wild to think about needing to get bread each day in our Wonder Bread world. But to the ancient world, this is legit. And see, you've got stuff that you need just for today. And God, when I am seeing myself, I know
0: that you forgive me of my sin. This deep... God, thank you for that. And God, thank you for punching me in the face that I have to come to terms with the fact that
1: I don't get forgiven if I am not forgiving others. I got this. Thank you very much. You are not forgiven if you don't forgive others. Jesus says it in Matthew. But Jay, you don't know what happened. I know. And that's why this is this process. See,
0: sometimes we get so hung up on this thing of forgiveness because we've been hurt so hard. But others of us in the room, we know how much we've hurt others. It's not the, it's not the, the giving forgiveness that's the hard part.
1: It's the receiving it. God, how can you actually forgive me? So in the same way that
0: for some the idea of extending forgiveness is an impossibility, for others the idea of receiving
1: forgiveness is an impossibility. Welcome to all of our need. See, when we begin to get our lives
0: around this idea that Jesus is inviting us to come to him from our deepest need, then our prayers begin to come from the place
1: That really connect with our actual living. Jay, you said you weren't going to go long. I don't remember saying that. So what do we pray? We can talk more about this on Thursday if you want, or if you can't make
0: it up, let's get coffee, but I'm I'm a book peddler. So we've been, and it warms my soul when somebody's like, hey, I bought this book. So a lot of this comes from Recapturing Wonder by Mike Cosper, not this morning. And then another one, and this one's all on prayer, and I kind of thought I'd finish it before we went through prayer, but you know. It's called Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools, and this is Tyler Statton. And then another, we don't have time for this. If we had a Sunday night service, we would do this, but let's get coffee on Thursday. It's just this little book called Praying the Bible. See, some of us don't pray because we keep saying the same words. Some of the words we say aren't even words we need to pray. You don't ever need to pray God with someone in their travels. You
1: don't ever have to pray. God be with them as they travel. There's nowhere you can travel that God is not. Oh, they prayed me and I get to go on a ride with them. That's not how it works.
0: What we do get to pray is God, thank you that wherever they are going, there you are. Make them aware of you.
1: See, praying the Bible is actually. Whitney says, to pray the
0: Bible, you simply go through the passage line by line, talking to God about whatever comes to mind
1: as you read the text. If you don't know what to pray, you're all out of words. Psalm chapter 1. Don't do the whole psalm. Don't feel the weight of
0: getting through something. This isn't about interpreting the scripture. It's about reading it. And God, what are you saying in this? And God, here's what comes to mind as I'm hearing this, as I'm reading this, as I'm thinking about others, as I'm recognizing my own need. God,
1: some days you might get through a lot. Other days you might just get through not a lot.
0: But the book of Psalms is actually a book of songs and a book of prayer for God's people since it was being lived the very first
1: time. And so if you don't know what to pray, start in that space. Jesus invites us to pray with shameless audacity. And in this, and we
0: didn't have time to unpack this all the way, but the place he ends, talking about gifts, talking about giving the things that are needed, not a snake, not a scorpion, he ends
1: by saying, ask and your Father will give you the Holy Spirit. This isn't just a Pentecost ending to this that gets tagged on because
0: well, it's Luke, and Luke wrote this, and Luke also wrote Acts, and he just wants to prime the pump. This is Jesus saying, out of all of the things you are praying for, the best answer to it all is him giving himself. And so in those things that you're praying for, praying about, praying with, the interior, the exterior, the relationship, the others, know that the thing that God always says yes
1: is the giving of himself. And so church, let's be a people marked by prayer. Let our ready stance posture to be whatever comes in, I'm going to be quick to pray. Some of you have developed this rhythm and this habit. In humility, teach others of us. Some of us struggle in this. Be
0: vulnerable in it. This isn't a merit badge thing that you level up your faith. This is a pathway and an avenue for intimate relationship in a way out of disenchantment. God, thank you for this moment. Thank you that we can get together here in your presence. God, thank you that even as we stumble through words, even as our brain uh, meanders and, and our attention span is exactly what you know it is,
1: God, thank you that you, you, you are drawing us to you. You are our Father. You are holy. You are the giver of daily bread. You are the one who has written the story of time. You are the one who forgives us and empowers us to forgive others. Yours is the kingdom and the honor and the glory forever. Jesus, help us to help us to recognize our deepest needs. Show us how
0: you meet us when we bring those to you. God, you are good. Lord, we love you.